Hello everybody, how you doing today? Welcome to everyone here in the sanctuary. Welcome to everyone on social media. Hey, we've been studying about the uh, uh, kings of Israel. We've been learning lessons from the kings. And uh, kings in the north, kings in the south. Remember, Israel started out as a united kingdom, but then after Solomon's death, it was divided into a northern kingdom called Israel, southern kingdom called Judah. And uh, in fact, last week we, and we've been studying the northern kings and the southern kings, going kind of going back and forth. And uh, last week we finished up with uh, what we're going to cover uh, as it pertains to the kings of the north. But we have several kings left in the south. And again, what we're doing here is we're learning lessons from the kings. A lot of good lessons that we can learn from these kings. So it's not just history. We're not just looking at the at biblical history, although we've covered some of that, but we're learning lessons from these kings and just, just, just very, very good things that we can apply to our everyday lives that will help us. So, uh, if you missed any of the last sessions, past sessions, we've been on this now for what, a couple months, I guess, but, uh, you can go to our, to our archives and, and catch up if you've missed any. But let's, uh, let's pick up today in, in the south, in Judah. Like I said, we're, we're finished with the northern kings, but um, we've got several left here in the south. I want to ki- pick up today with King Amaziah. King Amaziah, now he's the son of King Joash, uh, you know, of Judah. And we talked about Joash uh, in great detail in an earlier session. So again, if you've missed that, you can go catch up in our archives. But let's just pick up with King Amaziah here today. Lessons that we can learn from him. And uh, in, in Second Chronicles chapter 25, we're going to look at various verses in here. Second Chronicles chapter 25, notice it says here, verse 1, Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and then it notes his mother's name. And notice the Bible says, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Now that's good. But, there's a but there, but not with a loyal heart. Now think about that. And, and actually loyal heart, it, another way to translate this, maybe even a better way to translate it, would be not wholeheartedly. Or we could say this, not with a fully devoted heart. So uh, Amaziah did right things. He did right things. At least early on in his, in his reign, he did right things. The Bible says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but he didn't do it with his whole heart. His whole heart wasn't in it. And, uh, you know, we have to be real watchful of our hearts and guard our hearts and keep our hearts right and pure before the Lord. Um, and, and we learn from here that it's possible to do right things with a wrong heart. I mean, this is a vital lesson we need to learn from him that it's possible that we can do right things with a wrong heart. Um, you know, and I could give several examples of that, but uh, I think one example that might might uh, fit everybody to some degree at one time or another, uh, but like coming to church on Sunday mornings, you know, has anybody ever come to church while you were grumbling and complaining you know, getting out of bed, getting dressed, driving, driving to church, you know, you know, so you're coming to church, you're doing the right thing, but you're grumbling and complaining while you're doing it, you know, or you serve in the church. I've watched people that have served in the church for years and years and years. And then, you know, and they were here doing the right things, but, but come to find out that, uh, 
you know, the whole time, you know, their, their heart really wasn't right at all, you know. And, uh, uh, and that's, uh, and that's very sad. So it's possible to do right things with a wrong heart. But here's one thing that's for sure. If your heart's not right, you can mask that for a while. And you can mask a wrong heart with right actions for a while. Weeks, months, even years. But if your heart ultimately isn't right, eventually it's going to show. It's going to come out. It's going to come out somewhere. Jesus, our Lord said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you know, and I've watched this among Christians for many, many years. You know, when they come to church, they'll, you know, they can mask what's in their heart. They can say the right things, but you catch them out sometimes. I remember one church member one time in, in, in at Lowe's, you know, Lowe's, the hardware store. And right here in Fenton, and a man that had been a member in church here for years and years and come to church, always said the right things, always spoke real good Christianese, you know. And, uh, and, and, and he didn't know that I was, I was in a side aisle there and he was having a dispute with one of the workers and cussed the, he cussed that worker right out real good, right there in Lowe's. Now, you know, is that something? Is that something? Yeah. And uh, uh, so, you know, he, and he'd come to church and say the right things, but you can do the right things with the wrong heart. Is that, is that right? That's right? Absolutely. And that's just one example. But, but what I'm trying to get at here is you can do right things with the wrong heart. But if your heart's wrong, eventually, somewhere, it's going to, that wrongness is going to come out. That lack of devotion to God is going to come out. And we'll see it with Amaziah later on in his life as we go here through this study. We'll see that eventually, eventually uh, it, it came out and in, in, in not in a good way. So we have to be sure that we're keeping our hearts right before the Lord. I tell you what, I, I, would, I would rather ha- have somebody that's maybe making a mistake here or there with a right heart than somebody with a wrong heart that's always doing everything right. Did you get what I just said? Did you get what I just said? So, so, you know, I can deal with somebody that's got a right heart, but maybe they're not, you know, maybe they don't have great expertise in everything and they blunder here or there, you know, but, but their heart's right, you know. That, that's, I can deal with that. You understand what I'm saying there? You know, but when somebody's heart is wrong and they're doing all the right things, really, that's hypocritical, isn't it? If you if you really think about it. So so let's just learn this Um, repetition, seed of learning here, repetition, seed of learning. I like to repeat. I want you to get it. I'm a teacher. We go over and over things till you get it. Okay. can you do right things with a wrong heart? Absolutely. And uh, 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 but eventually, will that wrongness somewhere come out? Absolutely. So let's be sure we guard our hearts, keep our hearts right before the Lord, and then uh, and then we'll do right things. Praise God. And uh, you know, we blunder here or there. Well, we can repent. The Lord will forgive us. You know, but keep your heart right. Keep your heart right. And, and, and I've seen so many church members over the years. You know, you know, I've watched them. You know, blunder in this, blunder in that. But you know what? Their hearts were right. And you know, when their hearts are right, you can overlook a lot of. A lot of mistakes, you know. So let's keep our hearts right, and uh, and that's that's the best thing. So anyway, let's don't do right things with the wrong heart. And early on in Amaziah's uh, 
uh, reign, we see him following the word of God, even though he had a, his heart wasn't fully devoted to the Lord. He wasn't doing what he did wholeheartedly. Uh, and uh, in the process of time, a war broke out against Edom, okay? Enemies of the people of God. Now, something very interesting. If you look at verse 6, what Amaziah did, now he had, he had a, a couple of hundred thousand, uh, I think he had like two or three hundred thousand uh, troops of his own, but he didn't feel he had enough to go up against Edom. So in verse 6, he hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel. Now that was, you know, Israel up in the north, you know. He hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. Now in today's money, if my calculations are correct, that's about $140 million. That's a lot. That's a good chunk of change, isn't it? So he hires, he hires some soldiers from Israel to, to beef up his army so that he knew that he would has, have success, you know, when he went up uh, against Edom. And it's interesting, verse 7, but a man of God came to him saying, now you ought to underline that because we've seen this again and again and again. Uh, God had prophets that he would send to the kings to help them out. And you know what? God's the same way with us. He has ministers set up to help us and, and will come and speak things to us to help us and keep us on track. That's why it's so important that you find the church that God has for you. You don't pick your church, you let God pick your church, all right? And you do that by visiting around, you have to do that, but then, but then let God settle you somewhere with the peace versus the no peace, you know what I mean? And uh, don't go somewhere just because you love the music or just because your friend goes there or just because your family member goes there. You, you understand. You, you, you go there because that's where God, let God pick your pastor and let him settle you in. And, and if, if, you, if you get in the place God has for you, that minister will on a regular basis have things from the word of God that he'll share with you that will really help you, that will really help you and keep you on track. And if you start getting off track, he'll preach a message, you know, that'll get you back on track. I've watched it supernaturally happen in this church for 27 years. And people will come to me at the door again and again, and they'll say, Pastor Terry, how did you know I needed to hear that message today? Well, it's, I'm your pastor, you know, and, and I didn't know naturally, but supernaturally God, and God didn't speak to me in my closet and say, you know, preach such and such for Jane Smith. I mean, you know, but he'll just lead me to preach a certain message and I didn't even know Jane Smith needed to hear it, but God knew, you see, and God had Jane here in this church or whoever it is, you know, and, and, and it's a blessing to him and it keeps him on track. Get, here's where you want to get concerned when, when God isn't talking to you anymore, <laughs> when he's not sending somebody across your path to, to get you, uh, uh, maybe to step on your toes a little bit, you know, that's when you get concerned. But, but, but right now, see, he has a man of God coming to Amaziah. This is a good thing, you see. And we saw this again and again with the kings, how God would send prophets to him, you know, to keep him on track. So a man of God came to him saying, O king, now notice this, do not let the army of Israel go with you. For the Lord is not with Israel. Now, the Lord wasn't with Israel because there was sin in Israel. Okay. And so now uh, Amaziah has just hired Israel and he didn't just pay a small amount. How much did he pay in our in our money? About one hundred forty million dollars. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and now the Lord sends over a prophet and says, you shouldn't have done that. Wouldn't it have been good if Amaziah 
<laughs> and the money, the money's already gone. It wouldn't have been better if he'd have sought God ahead of time, maybe, you know? Huh? Before he spent that money. <laughs> have you ever spent money, a large chunk of change, and then you, and then you think, you know, something happens and, uh, and, and you, th- you thought to yourself, I should have sought God before I, before I, before I spent that chunk of change, you know? But the money's gone. It's gone, and uh, and the prophet comes over and says, uh, "Don't let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord's not with Israel," and so forth. And now, notice verse eight. I'm going to read verse eight in the Amplified Classic. The rest of these verses are in the New King James, but the Amplified Classic. Notice what the prophet said to him. He said, "Don't take that troop that you hired from Israel." He says, "For for if you go, in spite of warning." So you know what? A word to the wise should be sufficient. If God warns us of something, you know there's a lot of people do stuff even after God's warned them not to do it. I've watched it for three decades and more uh, where, where God will warn somebody and they'll just go right ahead and do it anyway. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. It's, it never ceases to amaze me. But if you go in spite of warning, now watch this. We learn a lesson here. No matter how strong you are for the battle... God will cast you down before the enemy. What a lesson here. We need God, ladies and gentlemen. I said we need God. Because no matter how strong we are, no matter how strong we are, if we don't have God, we're going to fail. Did you get that? No matter how strong we are, we're going to fail. I said, no matter how strong we are, we're going to fail. Let's watch this again. He says, no matter how strong you are for the battle. Would somebody go out to the front door? There's some folks out there. Uh, For if you go in spite of warning, no matter how strong you are for the battle, God will cast you down before the enemy. Do you hear me? No matter how strong you are, God will cast you down. So we need to realize this, that we must not rest in our own strength, but we must rest in the strength of the Lord. Did you hear what I just said? We have to rest in the strength of the Lord. No matter how strong we are, if we don't have God for us, we're going to fail. Okay, so let's read that verse again. It's very important. We can learn a great lesson here. If you go in spite of warning. So when God warns us, let's have good sense and follow what he says and don't do something even, you know, even after he warns us not to do it. But he says here, no matter how strong you are for the battle, God will cast you down before the enemy because it says here, for God has power to help and to cast down. So you see, our trust must not be in our own strength. Our trust must be in the Lord. And we've seen in the Bible and we've studied many times over the years how there would be a weaker army. You understand? It was an army of the Lord, but it was weaker in number. I believe Gideon. Wasn't it Gideon? He had uh, a whole bunch of people, but then God uh, trimmed it down to, what, 300? But their trust was in the Lord, and a great victory was won. So it doesn't matter the number. It matters whether or not you have God with you or not. It doesn't matter how strong you are in and of yourself. Isn't there a song that goes, when we are weak, he is what? 
He is strong. You know, that's, yes, Jesus loves me, right? How many remembers that song? But you see, no matter how strong we are, no matter how mighty we are, no matter how many natural forces we have on our side, if we don't have the Lord, we're going to fail. And he said, no matter how, now this is this prophet talking to Amaziah, this king. He says, no matter how strong you are for the battle, God will cast you down before the enemy, for God has power to help and God has power to cast down. That's, that's a good lesson. That was worth coming to church just to get that. Don't trust in your own strength. Don't trust in your own power. Trust in the Lord. And if he's on your side, you're going to win. No matter, no matter if you got, if you got a lot or if you got few, it doesn't matter. It's, it's if God's on your side or not. Okay. And so anyway, what happened here with, uh, with Amaziah is he was warned. He paid all that money now. How much money was it again? He paid 140 million, 140 million dollars to the, to the northern, uh, Israel to get help. Then the prophet comes to him and says, you shouldn't have done that. If, you know, we've got to watch who we, who we go into battle with. Did you hear what I just said? We have to watch who we have to watch who we buddy up with. Yes, definitely. He was getting ready to. I didn't even have that in my notes, but just the spirit of God impressed me to say that we need to be careful who we buddy up with. Amen. And he was he was he, he was buddying up with Israel. Now, people of God, but they had sin in their life, didn't they? And 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 Amaziah is warned not to go with these other people of God. Because these other people of God had sin in their life. We need to be real watchful who we buddy up with and who we run with and who we, who we uh, march into battle with. Because it can cost us. Did you hear me? And so he was getting in cahoots with, with uh, people of God, Israel, but they had sin in their life. You see, and God said, don't do it. So you need to be sensitive to the spirit of God, who you go into battle with, who you buddy up with, who you make an alliance with, who you go into business with, you see. Who you, who you strike up a business deal with. And then, uh, and then you need to understand this, and I want to go over it again. Uh, no matter how strong you are, if you don't have God with you, you're going to fall. And notice verse 9, Then Amaziah said to the man of God, now Amaziah asked the question. He says, but what shall I do about the hundred talents which I've given to the troops of Israel? See, he's, 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 he's just like me. I'd be concerned. What, what about that 140 million? What, what about that 140 million? <laughs> but we're going to learn something about God here that we should already know, but it's going to be reiterated. Now watch this. So, so he said, what about, what about that 140 million? And the man of God answered and said, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Isn't, I mean, I mean, even if we do some silly things and, and with our money that we shouldn't have done or, you know, and, 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 and we, wish, we, you know, we wish we could get that back. How many of you know God can get that back for us and more in many different ways? Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's worth coming to church just to get that, wasn't it? Absolutely. That's worth coming to church just to get that. Praise God forevermore. So the Lord is able to give you much more than this. So if you've, if you've done something silly that you shouldn't have done and you've lost some money, I tell you what, you can believe God and, and, uh, and, and, and He'll help you out. And, and He said, now think about that, 140 million. If God can come up with more than 140 million, I, I bet He can get back whatever you've lost or whatever. What do you think? And so anyway, now, now notice here, Amaziah had a great victory. Now you can read the rest of the, uh, these verses between verse 10, 11, 12, 13. There's a great, now listen, this is, this is, this is fascinating. 
Amaziah in Judah, the army of Judah. Now they did not take the, uh, the good news is, is that they did not take the uh, 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 army of Israel with them. They disbanded them. Okay. And that was good. They disbanded them. And, uh, uh, and, and that was the right move Amaziah made. He listened to the prophet and he, and he sent those hundred thousand back home. And, you know, he said, what about the money? But of course, God's able to give you more than this and all of that. And in verse 10 said, so Amaziah discharged the troops from Israel. So that's all good. And then they fought that battle against Edom and, and Judah had a great victory. Now they wouldn't have had a great victory. They wouldn't have had a great victory if they'd have marched with, with the, with the troops of Israel. They wouldn't have had a great victory. But he listened to the Lord and they had a great victory against Edom. Now, this is something unbelievable that's going to happen here. Just unbelievable. They have this victory, Judah does, Amaziah against, uh, against Edom. Now, watch this. Verse 14. Now, it was so after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites. Now, watch this. That he brought the gods of the people of Seir. That's Edom. Now watch what he did here. He brought the gods of the people of Edom. Set them up to be his gods. And bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Now did you hear that? Now, 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 now that's crazy, isn't it? Yes, it is. Isn't it crazy? I mean, that's crazy. Now it was so, after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites. Now, I'm going to go over this again because I want you to get it. Now, God has just helped Amaziah. God sent a prophet to him, warned him not to march with Israel, all of that. He goes against Edom, has a great victory at the hand of the Lord because God has power to help and God has power to cast down, you know. And God showed his power and he helped Amaziah and they had great victory. Can you say amen to that? Absolutely. That's exciting. But after it was so, after this great victory, Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites. And he brought the gods of the Edomites back home to Judah and set them up to be his gods and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Now that is insane. That is crazy. Now what did we say about his heart? Earlier on we talked about he did right things but with a wrong heart. But now all of a sudden now I think we are starting to see. Remember I said you can mask, you can mask your heart for a while but eventually what's really in there is going to come out. And can you see here that... Uh, that now we see that his heart not being right, that's starting to come out, isn't it? Is that starting to come out? Do you see that? And he brings the gods of the Edomites back home, sets them up to be his gods, and bows down before them and burns incense to them. Absolutely crazy. I, I, can't, I can't understand that kind of craziness. I can't, I mean, if you can understand crazy, I guess you're, you're kind of crazy yourself, aren't you? <laughs> if you can understand, I can't understand it. You know, what I think though about myself sometimes, I would never bring the gods of the Edomites back to my house or my church. 
I wouldn't bring in golden calves. I wouldn't bring in totem poles and bow down, burn incense. But sometimes I wonder and I, I give myself a self-examination. I wonder if I'm doing things just as crazy as this and don't even realize it. You know, we may not be bowing down and burning incense to golden calves or totem poles, but what are we doing in our lives that might be just almost as crazy? I've watched in over three decades of pastoring and ministry, I've watched the people of God, so many of them do a lot of crazy stuff. I've watched people get so helped by the Lord, so wonderfully helped by the Lord, and then they start putting sports up ahead of God. And now sports is more important to them than church. I watched one guy was healed right in this building of bladder cancer. Absolutely miraculous. The doctors diagnosed him with bladder cancer. And uh, it was an ugly situation. And uh, he, he, he was attending the church pretty regular. He was diagnosed with that. Came very regular. You know, when you get diagnosed with something like that, your, your dedication to God a lot of times goes up a little bit. Yeah. Quite a lot. And he was here every Sunday. We prayed for him. I can't heal anybody, but Jesus is still in the healing business. And he was healed. Wonderfully healed. Doctors confirmed it of bladder cancer. And then in the process of time, you'd stop seeing him come to church. Hit and miss, hit and miss. Here, here a Sunday, then you wouldn't see him. And long story short, I followed up on him and he just didn't want to come back to church no more. And the Holy Ghost told me to warn him. If he, he didn't keep his dedication up to the Lord, it'd come back on him and kill him. And I told him and a couple of years later, he, he wouldn't straighten it up and came back on him and killed him. Now things get real serious all of a sudden, doesn't it? I didn't do that publicly, did it all private. You would have never known it was going on. Something, isn't it? Don't you think if you got healed of bladder cancer, your dedication to the Lord would stay running at a high level? Huh? Or any kind of cancer, any kind of catastrophe? But other things became more important to him. And he's just one. That, that, that's one that stands at the top of the list of the most bizarre. But I've seen other people do very similar types of things. Unbelievable. Think about what this man did. He, he, he has just been touched by God and, 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 and God's dealt with him so greatly. And, and, and he experiences this victory and now he's bringing these, these gods from Edom back home to Israel and he's bowing down and Amaziah bowing down and worshiping and burning incense to him. Can, I mean, that makes no sense. Are we doing anything that could be just as bizarre? I mean, that guy I told you about with the bladder cancer. Now, he didn't bow down to a totem pole, as far as I know. But don't you think his just cutting off his dedication to God was almost just as crazy? Yeah. And he's just one. I, I could tell you dozens of examples similar. That's just probably the most extreme. I watch people, you know, all of a sudden... Baseball is more important to him on Sunday than God. I'm talking Sunday morning when they ought to be going to church. I mean, I could list this 
let's give you a list of things that people just say put ahead of God. Anytime we put anything ahead of God, we're into idolatry, aren't we? I still think Sunday mornings ought to be dedicated to the Lord. That's what I think. But did you know that now, I know COVID, once COVID hit, things changed. But, you know, you could go over to Fenton City Park and you could see multitudes of people over at Fenton City Park on Sunday mornings when they ought to have their children in church. Can anybody say amen? amen? Teaching them that the first thing you do on the first day of the week is honor God, not a soccer ball, football, baseball, golf ball. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. You know, a lot of people don't want to come hear this kind of preaching, but that's what the word of the Lord is. We ought to keep God first and teach our children that God is the most important. And then afterwards, then go out. Hey, once church is over, hey, then go out to the soccer field. Then go out and do these other things. Keep God first, right? Is that right? But, but, you know, so it's real easy to slip into idolatry. So we may not be bound down to the gods of Edom like he did, but what gods are we bound down to and we don't even realize it? You know, I've watched people make a god out of their phone. You know, thank God for cell phones. I, I mean, I've got one. I just got a new one. And man, it is zippity-doo. I mean, it'll do everything but take my temperature. I mean, I got it because I had to get it. It'll probably do that, too. I mean, it'll do everything but start my... I guess you, it could even start your car for you. I guess it could even drive it for you. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go that far. But But you know what? As good as cell phones are, you know where most people in the United States are right now? They're They're not in their Bibles. They're on their... Cell phones. Now, sometimes I know people have Bibles on their cell phones, and thank God for that. But you know what I'm talking about. I mean, people can't even drive from here to there without having being on their cell phone. You ever see anybody driving in a car, and they're next to you, and they're going real slow, and, and they, you get up next to them, you look over, they're down on their cell phone. Now, that's not too smart, is it? I mean, it just isn't. It just isn't. But, but you know, because it's like, they tell me, like, driving, uh, texting while you drive is just as bad as uh, as being drunk, just about. It in, it in, is that correct? It in, it, and you wouldn't think so, but you know it just takes that quick to lose your life. Did you know that? Just that fast. But uh, what kind of silly things are we doing? We're not bowing down to the gods of Edom, but what kind of silly things are we doing? Now, I have a cell phone. I enjoy the cell phone. I do. But, uh, you know, let's don't make a God out of it. Is that right? Yes. I, I think sometimes, what did we do? You know, what did I do t- 25 years ago or whatever it was, 20 years ago when I didn't have one? Yeah. I mean, I had, to, I had to go find a pay phone and put a dime in it, remember? And then it went up to 20 cents. Remember that? And you, some of these little kids today, you show them a phone where, where they got to pick up with a dial tone. They don't have a clue. They don't know what a landline is. They don't know what a push button is. I mean, you know, my mother, well, she, she used to have that, you know, where you dial the thing, you know. And if you go back far enough, I remember my mom, she had a phone that was back when I was a kid. We had a uh, party line, you know, and my mama, she used to listen up and listen, in, pick up the phone, listen in to the other people on the party line, you know. <laughs> but these little kids today, they don't know what a dial tone is, most of them. They don't have a clue. First time I took a cell phone and picked it up, I was listening for the dial tone. There's no dial tone. Is that right? But I enjoy cell phones. They're fantastic. I mean, they're cameras. They're, I mean, they're everything, aren't they? It's just about. You know, you can talk to somebody halfway around the globe that quick, you know, and I thank God for all of that. But let's don't make a God out of anything. What do you say? Is that right? Now, so he brings these these idols back to uh, uh, to Judah and they're worshiping them. 
Look at verse 15. Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah. That made God angry what he did. Can you see where God would get angry over that? Absolutely. You know you can make God angry, can't you? Oh yeah. Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah. Somebody said, oh, that was Old Testament, Pastor Terry. You couldn't make God angry over here in the New Testament. Well, just ask Ananias and Sapphira about that sometime. If you don't know who they are, they came to church and they lied over an offering and they fell dead in church. Is that right? Ananias went down first and three hours later, Sapphira followed. So you can make God angry in the New Testament just like you could in the Old. Absolutely. And notice here, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah for bowing down to these gods of Edom. But God is good. God is so good. Even after Amaziah did this, God is so good. Now, God's angry, but even when God gets angry, he's still good. Do you know the Bible says you can be angry and sin not? And, and, and God gets angry sometimes, but he doesn't sin. He never sins. And, uh, and notice he sent him a prophet. You ought to underline that. He sent him a prophet. It's always good when God loves us enough that he's still sending us a prophet. Yes. He's still sending us a prophet to try to help us. Try to, you know, a minister, a pastor, a teacher of the word. Somebody to get us back on track. And so he sent him a prophet. And said to him, why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? I mean, what God was really saying is, why are you doing this? I mean, that the gods you're bound down to, these Edomite gods, they're false gods, you're bound down to them. They couldn't even protect Edom against you and now you're bound down to them? Are, are you out of your mind? I mean, what are you doing here? Is what, this, what God said through this prophet. And in verse 16, so it was, as he talked with him... That the king said to him, now you would think that the king having a prophet, a real prophet of God come in and bring some correction, you would think the king would repent. But remember, this king has a heart problem, doesn't he? His heart's not fully right towards the Lord. He masked it for a long time, but now notice what happens here. Here comes the prophet. We already see he's got some issues here. We're bound down to these gods. But now the prophet comes to get him back on track. And here's what he says. And when the prophet says, what are you doing? Are you out here? I'm putting it in my own words. Are you out here? Mine? What are you doing here? Why are you bowing down? He says, don't bow down to these false gods. And here's what, here's what Amaziah said. Have, uh, have we made you the king's counselor? And the New Living Translation says it this way. Be quiet or I'll have you killed. Isn't that sad? I see pride there, don't you? You know, you can have pride in your heart and not even know it's there. You know, with, with some of these diseases that people get that turn, turn out to be terminal, did you know you can have something working in your body and, and, and growing in your body and something that's lethal that can kill you and it can go on for months and months and months and you don't even know it's there until symptoms come up and then it's too late. Did you know that? That's why it's so important to get screenings and... You know, I'm thinking about like colonoscopies. I mean, it's so important to get those because I'm thinking of people that I've known over the years that put those off and put those off and put those off and put those off. 
and you can have something lethal growing right on the inside and you don't even know it's there until next thing you know, you know, you start passing blood and this, that, and the other and then, and then you got just weeks, months, whatever it is to live. They, fight, they can fight it. Sometimes they can help. Sometimes they can't. But if you just had a screening done, early on they can go in there, snip that little polyp out and you never have a problem. The point is you can have things working on you inside your body and lethal things and you don't even know they're there. The same thing is true in your heart. You can have things in your heart. You can have pride in your heart. And it can be there and be there and be there. And you don't even know it's there. And the next thing you know, it can crop up. And the Bible said pride goes before what? A fall and destruction. Is that right? Yes. So you've really got to watch pride. You've got to examine your heart daily. Is there any pride in there? You've got to examine your heart daily. Is there any unforgiveness in there? You've got to examine your heart daily. Is there any bitterness in there? You need to do that. And keep your heart tender. And Is there any hardness in there? You know it's real easy for the heart to become hard and hardened. You've got to watch your heart. Every day, you got to examine it. Keep it soft. Keep it pliable. Keep it, keep it tender. Keep it full of forgiveness and love. Because things can be there, you don't even know they're there, and they can be lethal. Jesus said, if we don't forgive others, our Heavenly Father will not forgive us. That's pretty lethal, isn't it? So we see the pride, we see the heart issues coming out now. And uh, have, you, have you become the king's counselor? Be quiet or I'll have you killed, he says to this prophet. Then the prophet ceased and said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you've done this and have not heeded my advice. I mean, God was for this guy, but you know what? If you turn your back on God and keep turning your back on him and turn your back on him, eventually, I mean, there's the goodness and the severity of God, the Bible says in the book of Romans. And God offers goodness, 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 goodness. But you can knock that goodness away year after year after year after year, time after time after time after time. And eventually, if you keep knocking his goodness away, there's nothing left but his severity. And he says, God's determined to destroy you. I mean, he's bowing down to these false gods. Now he's wanting to kill this prophet. And then after all this, and you can read it for the sake of time, I won't, but he strikes up a war with the king of Israel out of pride. And uh, Israel doesn't want to fight and all of that. You can read through all of that. And eventually Amaziah is defeated by Israel. And it was because of this idolatry that he uh, showed over Edom or with the Edomite false gods and all of that. You can read that. And he was taken into captivity and eventually assassinated. So his ending wasn't, wasn't good. But I want to close with this. Look at verse 27. After the time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem and he fled, fled to Lachish, and they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. Then they brought him on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. But I want to center in on verse 27 as I close. After the time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord, this king, who started out right, did right things in the sight of the Lord, but what did we say? He had a what kind of a problem? A heart, a heart problem. It wasn't a physical heart problem. It was a spiritual problem, right? right? His heart wasn't right. 
And he starts out well. Haven't we seen a lot of these kings? They start out well, but they don't end well. Great lesson. One of the biggest lessons of this series is we not only want to start out well, but we want to end well. And so many of them don't. And this guy here, verse 27, tells us that there was a time where he turned away from following the Lord. He turned away from following the Lord. And I looked this up in about, in about, I don't know, about 20 different translations, and all of them say the same thing. They say he rebelled against the Lord, he became disobedient to the Lord, but what it's really saying is what it says right here. He turned away from following the Lord. Now I can only interpret that one way. When he died, he went to hell. I don't know how else you can interpret that. Yeah, but he was, but he, but, 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 but he was a king of Judah. He was a king of Judah. He's a king of Judah. Now, 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 you know, I never thought about this, but if you go back and you look at the line of Jesus that Jesus came down from, I know his son, who we're going to talk about next week, Uzziah, is in the, is in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the flesh, you know. So I believe Amaziah is in there too. You think about that, Jesus came down from, but this man, from my study of it, I mean, is it okay to die turning away from the Lord? Is it okay? Is, is that all right? Well, I said a prayer when I was a kid, so I must, you know, that must cover me the rest of my life. I don't think it does. I've had parents come to me over the years and say, my little, little Johnny, little Sally, whatever, they said a prayer in Sunday school, you know, but they've been living like the devil all these years. Does that prayer that they said in Sunday school cover them? I don't believe it does. It's serious all of a sudden, isn't it? It's not okay to die having turned away from following the Lord. Now, the Bible, when, when we're going to see this with Manasseh, and we've seen this with some of these other kings. When a king or anybody else repents, almost without exception, the Bible tells us that they repent. I have no record here that he repented. He died having turned away from following the Lord. I can't interpret that any other way than when he died, he went to hell. And here was a man that was, 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 he was right with God at one point. His heart never totally was right, but he was doing right things. And he, and, he, and he had respect for the Lord. He started out right. He didn't end well. He ended by turning away from following the Lord. This is a serious, lethally serious thing right here. We never want to turn away from following the Lord. Because he did. You see why it's so important to keep our hearts right before God? Because he didn't, though he started out well. But how did it end? It ended with his heart turning away from following the Lord. And in my opinion, which is opinions are like noses, everybody has one. So there's a chance I could be wrong. But I know this, there's a dangerous place to die. And I believe he died in that dangerous place. I've said it before, I'll say it again. That prodigal son... It, it, you know, he wound up in the pig pen, didn't he? Now, thank God he didn't stay there. He repented and came back to his father and he got back right with God. But what if he had died in the pig pen? Is there a dangerous place to die? Yes. 
Ananias and Sapphira, people want to argue, did they go to heaven, did they go to hell? And we could argue either side of that. But I tell you what, they died lying to the Holy Ghost. Is there a dangerous place to die? There's a dangerous place to die. So let's you and me learn a lesson from Amaziah and others that we've mentioned here. The prodigal son, Ananias and Sapphira. Let's don't die in a bad place. What do you say? Let's be sure we keep our hearts right before the Lord. Let's do right things with the right heart. If we get off track, God will send somebody our way to straighten us out. Praise God. Let's listen to them. Let's keep pride out. Let's listen to people of God, ministers of the gospel. What do you say? And keep our hearts right and let's end well. What do you say? And let, let's die following the Lord. And then we go to heaven and we don't have to worry about it. Can you say amen? amen? Hey, if you're out there and you're watching on social media, we're so glad that you've joined us today. And hey, uh, remember there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. So how do you miss hell and make heaven? Well, there's only one way to do it. That's repenting of your sins and receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So with a repentant heart, I want to encourage you to call on the name of the Lord. And in a moment's time, you'll get born again. You'll get saved. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And Jesus will make your life living He'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Okay, God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.